Welcome to another episode with Chopping It Up with the Doc. All right, tonight we're going to just spend some time talking um, about what I like to call the scientific method. Um, the reason why I want to talk about that a little bit this evening is I've been getting a lot of text messages and emails about a medication called fenbendazole, F-E-N-B-E-N-D-A-Z-O-L-E. And I guess the beneficial effects for fenbendazole. So, but before I talk about that uh, more, I just want to go into a process as to how decisions are made um, when you treat people. Very basic. I'm trying to keep it very basic and very simple. So, what happens is people come in with, we'll just call it problem A. Okay. Uh, they basically provide a story, a history, um, uh, signs and symptoms, the things they feel, the things they experience. Um, examinations occur. The doctors or treatment or people that are treating you, of course, um, decide to give you product B. All right. So you have problem A. They're giving you B with the expected outcome of, we'll call it C, A, B, and C. I have my problem A, I'm given B. I expect C to happen. Okay. And this is pretty much how the process goes, all right? So you hear a lot of people sometimes say, you know what? I think people are experimenting on me, okay? I'm going to kind of clear the air and say to you that that's exactly what's happening. You know, clinical trials are an ongoing process, okay? An ongoing process. You know, when a medication is made yesterday or 100 years ago, that is kept, okay? And based on that data, we make a determination as to whether or not B is effective for, in treating problem, the, the problem that you present with. And as long as a certain percentage of people, I'm going to, let's just say 95% of the people experience or reach a goal of, say, of a successful treatment, then we consider that process to be a valid process, that we're going to always, you know, you for problem A, we're going to get B, and we expect C to happen. Now, why do we choose product C? I mean, product B. Why do we use the? Why do we choose the things that we want to, that we're that we're using to help you with your problems? Well, this is this is where a lot of the issues begin to occur. All right, we'll go back to the old adage: "Monkey see, monkey do." Let's keep it simple. So, when you're taught. Okay, when you're training, you're taught. All right, so you're also you're basically being influenced by the people that are training you. So if I 
am training a hundred people. Okay. Then a hundred people are going to mimic what it is I do. Okay. All right. That's the first, that's, that's the first way we, that's the first step in learning. So if you were to take, whether it be a doctor's office, a clinic or a hospital, and you take a look at a problem, you'll find that most of the people with that problem are treated the same exact way, all right? Now, if I went to a different state, they may be using a different regimen, and the same process would happen. You would notice that the surgeons keep our heart would be basically being treated the same exact way because this is the way the people that are providing services for you have been influenced, okay? Now, that's one way that the providers are influenced, okay? It's just basically by what they're taught, okay? They may be taught by individual providers, lectures, seminars, etc. So there's a seminar on a specific medication, then you'll find that those people that attended that seminar are more likely to use that medication for the problem, okay? The second way that you're influenced, okay, would be the media, whether it be boots on the grounds, drug reps, and penetration into your, your offices, clinics, and hospitals, peddling their medications with free samples, brochures, they used to do luncheons and hand out pens and things like that. So, you know, so now what you're finding is that people that have been, I guess, seen by these particular reps, all right, okay, now they've somehow been influenced as far as providing medications to treat that particular problem. That's the, the whole marketing concept. When you see a medication on TV, whether it be treating uh, Alzheimer's or shingles I've seen or HIV I've seen, you see a lot of those medications, you know? So the more you see those types of things, those are the things that stick in your mind. So the more the penetration, the more influence, you know, okay, that they will have in your prescribing habits for that particular problem. Mm -hmm. So basically, you're gonna see somebody else do it, okay? Um, you're gonna probably have someone tell you to do it this way. Um, you may read about it, you may hear about it. You know, these are the reasons why these products are being, you know, offered for many different problems. So now the thing is, is that If you were to ask, and this is really, you know, a problem. If you were to ask how product B works, all right, a lot of times the people would not really be able to explain how product B actually works for your problem, all right, or how it actually works in the human body. Okay, you know, so 
whether it be lack of time, lack of information, you know, people are not studying the pathophysiology of the disease or the pharmacological treatment for the medications that are being prescribed for problem A. Okay, so what's happening is, is that medicine is becoming more like baking a cake or baking bread or making a gourmet meal, okay? One pound of this, one teaspoon of that, cup of sugar, bow, and I get the same thing every time. But what's what we're finding is that people are not taking into account the differences in people, all right? That every prescription that I write, even though it may be the same prescription for 100 people, it may not work the same way in every individual. So what happens, okay, is that I, have, I come in with problem A, I'm given B, I expect C, as long as nine out of 10 people do what I want, then it's acceptable. But whatever happens to the other 10% or the other 5% since I, I, I've arbitrarily given the figure of 95% in the beginning. Well, now what happens is that there's a disclosure in the media, especially on TV. They actually tell you that this medication can cause this, 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 and this, okay? So if you develop these problems, contact your physician right away so your physician can tell you to do what? Stop the medication and probably, most likely, put you on something else, okay? But the medication keeps on moving forward, all right? That 5% is now excluded, all right? If I ask you, does further research have to be done to determine what the underlying cause or why the malfunction occurred? Well, I don't have to spend money to determine why it didn't work because I've just taken everybody that had a problem off the medication. As long as I'm meeting the criteria of 95% effectiveness, okay, I can continue to push that medication. So the question is, the reason why I'm saying this is that when you go and you see someone and they give you a medication for your problem, you need to ask, why is this medication right for me? Okay? Why is it right Wait. for me right now? And will it be right for me down the road? Because I don't know if you know, if you ever noticed that people can sometimes take medication for five years, 10 years, okay? And all of a sudden, 10 years later, either the medication doesn't work properly or they develop side effects to the medication. And when they develop, when you have these problems, what do the doctors do? They either increase your dose, okay? Add another medication or start you on something completely different which puts you right back into the beginning 
stages of the treatment process. What sometimes is not accounted for is sometimes when I give two different medications, they may not work well together. So now I got two different medications and it seems like the medication is giving me a bigger problem. Oftentimes, and I can't say it's their fault or not their fault, you know, a lot of time is not devoted and to understanding drug-drug interactions, all right? A lot of times the C or the effect or the goal, okay, we learn from the mistakes, all right, after the fact. So I give A, I have A, I give B, I may have to give two Bs and find out like, wow, oh, this happened? Oh no, I gotta take them off this medication and give them something different. Or since I realized they didn't have a problem with the first medication, leave them on that one, take them off the second one since that may be the culprit and give them something different altogether. Now, sometimes, especially if you're a senior citizen, you may not even remember to stop the second medication and the doctor gives you a third. So now instead of taking two, you're taking three, two that that the doctor intended you to take, all right? And one that you're taking by accident. So, and actually, what's happening now is you got polypharmacy going on, and you got this. I'm, I'm getting sicker and not better. Okay, and a lot of times that's just, you know, that's 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 just the wrong thing. That's just a wrong thing altogether. All right. So, need people to begin to ask questions, more questions as to why am I taking this medication and how does it work? Is this the right medication for me? I mean, in the past, they used to tell us that these type of medications are good for this ethnic group. These medications are good for this ethnic group. Never quite understood why, okay, that was. They said, okay, I can give these medications for these guys and these medications for these guys, all right? but you know, when you look at it, say, well, you know what? Maybe these medications I'm giving for this group work better for this group over here. What's so special about this group that people have told me that the medications don't really work here or these medications don't work over here, all right? Care can be individualized to the individual, all right? Not a group. The problem isn't global. It's an individual problem, all right? With potentially individually individual underlying causes all right and that's what has to happen see it's it's you know i i remember the first time i actually heard the information i'm sharing with you today is people used to come to the hospital one call just getting started intern and they come in with pneumonia everybody came in you know pneumonia season everybody comes in with pneumonia all right knee-jerk response, these two medications, all right? So everybody that came in, all right, not only myself, but the other people in training with me, whether it be first, second, third year, all right? Our chief, the person that's supervising us, give this, give this. So everybody's training, giving the same, giving the same medication. Or pneumonia. So we had 20 admissions on Monday 
for pneumonia, 20 people in that hospital got the same regimen of antibiotics, unless they said they had an allergy. If there was no allergy, they all got the same medication. Same pneumonia, regardless of the underlying cause, doesn't matter if it was strep, influenza, you know, it didn't matter. Everybody got the same medication. You see what I'm saying? All right. On Tuesday, if 40 more people came in for pneumonia, 40 people got the same medication. So I remember the attending came in. Now he's actually the supervisor. He came in one day and said, why does everybody here use the same medication for the for the, for the how do you know that, that everybody needs this regimen? Well, because that's the way we were taught. Give broad spectrum, cure, kill everything that we can with pneumonia. Get people in the hospital, get them out. All right. When they go home, everybody pretty much got the same regimen going home. So you're doing this. This is where you're learning. This is the way learning is taught. We're not identifying necessarily the organism. Okay. Because as long as their treatment response is favorable, the people going home in a short period of time are basically better than it's an acceptable treatment. The only time we had to do anything additional is if those one or two people really didn't respond to treatment. Then you got to do something different. All right. But the thing is, is that how do we know that person one, person two needed all these medications? Maybe he only needed one. Maybe he didn't need two. Okay. Maybe he didn't need anything. Maybe it was just viral. Okay. But the thing is, is that what did we do? We 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 treat. So a patient comes in with high blood pressure. Same, same thing. We all give the same medication. We treat everybody the same way. Okay. All the time. And it's a problem. It's okay if it works. Okay, but it's a problem when you do something different, you know, and they pull a panel of experts in your community and say, well, no, we don't do that. We all do this. You say, uh-oh, so I did something different that everybody doesn't do. All right, so you're kind of, kind of steered in the direction of following whatever the current protocol is. Okay, so even not only are the, providers program, but the patients are programmed to basically accept what's going on because they believe that, hey, these guys know exactly what they're doing until they fall into that 5% category. Now, all right, when you look at these things, like I said, the pathology process tends to be really overlooked you know, for this. So once again, we have to get away from practicing this cookbook type of thing. So I really need people to think about what they're given. And now that leads me to this medication that people have been calling me about or emailing me in text messages, this fenbendazole. Okay. And it's, it's, Somewhere, or some, at some point in time, social media has become the mainstream of information. So if somebody puts something out on social media, you know, 
It doesn't mean that it's true. It doesn't mean that it's true. But because it's put out on social media and so many people are listening, you know, there are going to be a, a lot of people that fall through the cracks. Okay? That fall through the cracks. And it's scary. All right? Now, there are two things in life that are constant. Okay? That's we're going to be living or we're going to die. All right? We're either going to be alive or we're going to be dead. Not a whole lot of things. Nothing changes that. That's an absolute thing. You're either going to be alive or you're not going to be. Okay? Now, what instead of being concerned about or being afraid that the our our life is ending, let's focus on the living component. Okay. All right. And not necessarily just living, but the quality of life that we live. So what's happened or what's happening is you have people that are saying to you to take this because I got that. Or to take that because they got that. Okay? And people out of desperation, out of desperation, because perhaps they realize there is like, Nothing else that can be done for them. So they grasp on to that last remaining brand of hope. And they're willing to do almost anything or take anything because they believe, because they heard that I got better or they got better. From taking something. All right. If you have a question about an, an off-label treatment or something that you may not know a lot about, ask a professional. Okay? Ask a professional. All right? If they don't know the one thing you have at your fingertips is your computer or a library. And you can actually look up treatments to see if they're actually being used anywhere, not just here in the United States, but anywhere around the world and see if the data that they're giving is favorable to you. Now, Sometimes this stuff can be a little bit confusing. It's confusing to all of us, even me. I've read so much of it, it can be confusing. If you have that and you want to know if whether or not the treatment is effective, that's the kind of question you ask the person providing your care for you. I was reading this and it says that this may help. Is there any truth? Or does any of this make sense? And will something like this help me? All right. You get 
informed answers. All right. They still can't answer them. You may have to do a little further research or ask someone else to help you with that. And the reason why I'm asking, I'm bringing this up today is because the medication that they're asking me about, people have claimed that it cures cancer. The people have taken this medication and their cancer is gone. Okay. Now, I hadn't even heard of it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. What I do, I went on and I looked it up. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, this medication There's a lot to learn. is not even for human consumption. They use this medication for the treatment of removing parasites and worms in household pets, dogs. I'm like, okay, all right. Does it have an off-label usage to it or something? You know. But the thing is that the only information that's available that I was able to look at was that the medication is used to deworm their pets, All right? Why would you want to take something like this? And this is what the article was basically going into is that the people that are saying this, you have to be careful about what the underlying, whatever underlying reasoning they have for this, okay? You know, it doesn't appear to be a real treatment to me, okay? And you got people that are looking to benefit financially, if they can, all right, because of your fears, because of your fears, okay? And it's your fears and your knee-jerk response and your and the spontaneity that are causing you to go out and spend thousands of dollars, not just you, but millions of dollars around the world on things or regimens that people say work, okay? Especially if you have an illness that is quote unquote incurable, okay, or maybe um, a life ending kind of illness, you know, and I, I get it, it's scary. It's scary, okay? When you go through a medical process and you hear the words that, you know, we've tried everything that we could and there's really nothing else we can do, all right, and we have all had loved ones that have heard this conversation. Some of us may have heard this conversation. There's really nothing else we can do. And so they offer you hospice care. And then they send you on your way. And basically you're gone somewhere, whether it be to your home or to a facility. And you're basically sitting around, you're being medicated, basically waiting for your life to end. Okay, that's the one thing we know that is absolute is that unfortunately we're not immortal, that one day our life will end. With YouTube. Okay? But what I'm here to say to you is that even a diagnosis that is just 
horrible doesn't mean that life is ending for you at that moment. All right. There are things that can be done to improve your quality of life so that whenever that inevitable day comes, all right, it, but up until that point, you can live a good, comfortable, pain-free life, okay? And I know some people, that may even be difficult because of the physical conditioning that they're in. But it doesn't mean that they can't eat, they can't smile, they can't talk, okay? That they can't go out and get the sun on their face. All right. I see so many people sitting in a room, whether it be in their nursing home or whether it be in their own homes, they just sit. And the only time they come out is maybe for a doctor's appointment. But the rest of the time they just sit. You know, and it's 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 frustrating when you walk into, you know, I used to do house calls. When you walk into a person's home and you walk in, they got a hospital bed sometimes in their corner. They're sitting in a wheelchair. Um, they got a Foley bag maybe attached to them. That's the bag, the urine bag, so to speak. Um, they're in pajamas. They're just sitting there like, mm, you know. And I'm like, you got to get out. Like, Don't just sit here, okay? I mean, you can go to the matinee plays, you know, what good is having a home attendant and a transportation service, all right, or accessorize available to you if you're not utilizing it for your benefit? You know, go, go to Atlantic City, play the slot machines, go have lunch, go see a show, go. I used to tell people, I said, take the bus to Atlantic City and have your home attendant walk you down the boardwalk. All right, look at the ocean. Enjoy your life, okay? But because we had to come up with the medication that's going to basically end, you know, some of these horrible things that are occurring, okay? Doesn't mean that your life has to end. I'll tell you a story about a patient. It was a friend of mine. Good patient. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but I remember I met him for the first time about 25 years ago. Um, I'm a stamp collector. He, he was a stamp collector as well. And, you know, he, he was a retired Navy man. And he, he came to me and he brought his records and he said to me, you know, um, what do you think? I looked and I, you know, he had a spot on his lungs, you know, which is basically from being in the ships for so many years and smoking like he did, you know. I mean, it was obvious that it was going to be some sort of cancer. Okay. It looked bad, but, you know, when I asked him, I said, okay, here I go. I said, oh man, we got to do something about it. Right, we gotta get in there, we gotta biopsy, and we gotta get you some treatment. Right? And he says to me, Why? 
So what do you mean, why? I mean, it's here. We got to do something about it. He said, but it's there. He said, but they found it on x-ray. I'm not coughing. I don't have any pain. My appetite's good. You know, um, I haven't lost any weight. They all ask me the same question. No fever, no night sweats. It's not bothering. All I want is some Viagra so I can go out with my girlfriend. I said, oh, I said, well, why'd you show it to me? He said, I just want you to know about it because you're going to be my doctor. I said, but you don't want to do anything about it? He says, why would I do something about this if it's not bothering? He said to me, he said, all his friends that he had retired with, all right, pretty much had the same problem. You know, smoking was a big thing back then, okay? Um, we all lived in the ships. We all smoked. And everybody had these lesions. They've all had biopsies and gone through chemo and all these problems. And you know what? They all died. We're all the same age, and they all died. All right? Not only did they all die, they all suffered up to that final day. When they found this in me, I said, I don't have no problem. I don't want your medication, okay? I don't want your treatment. I just want to live my life. And most of his friends, I remember when I met him, he was probably in his 60s. Yeah, late 60s. And he lived after he showed me that problem for another 20 years. Okay. Now, I don't know. Um, he, he went away. Um, I don't know what actually caused, you know, the end of his life. But, you know, from what I recall, he was still receiving the same prescription from me for his girlfriends. Okay. Up until that point, he was still out doing stamps and traveling and enjoying his life. All right. And he, what he did is he, he, he taught me something. He taught me something. He said that, you know, he basically said that, yeah, I have this problem, but the problem's not bothering me. So don't give me anything for it. When it bothers me, I'll come to you, then you treat me. You know, even if it's too late, he says, I'll come to you then, but it's my choice. And remember that, he said, it's my choice, not your choice, my choice. I don't want anything for this. I'm gonna live my life the way I wanna live it. I'm not gonna live it based on these medications that you're giving, all right, and watch, and deteriorate the way his friends did that fought in the world. You know, so I I approached everyone a little bit differently from that point on. You know, I was so I saw people with prostate cancer, and I was like, you know what? Let's not do all these new fancy treatments, just take the prostate, get rid of it, right? Because everybody I've seen with these new fancy treatments, prostate cancer always came back. And then it became even more difficult to treat at that point. 
But then I said, when everybody that I just had the prostate removed, wow, there was really no reoccurrence. So, you know, doing my own clinical trial there, so I'm talking to people. I'm like, listen, we have prostate cancer. All right, let's just have it removed, get rid of it, it's gone. And once again, there's a guy coming to see me. Yeah, yeah, he's living. He's got no prostate cancer. You know what he says to me? He says, you know, the treatment was absolutely perfect, Doc. All right? No more issues with my prostate that you're aware of. All right? But he says, you know what happened to me after you took my prostate out? He said, you know, I remain a very sexually active man. Okay, but I'll never have another orgasm again. He says, just it, it, it seems like it builds up, and at the point where you would experience that pleasure, it just goes away because I have no prostate. And I said to myself, like, Wow, he's like, So your treatment was great, I have no cancer, but the one thing that I enjoy the most. You took away from me. So I'm like, wow. So, you know, you, you begin to ask yourself, so what's better? The treatment? You know? Or that particular treatment or another particular treatment? If I had realized that, you know, at that time, I wonder if I had offered him that and explained that part to him, what he would have decided at that point. Or any of the other gentlemen. Would they have, would they have decided to go with the having the prostate removed or one of the other forms of treatment, even though the risk of it reoccurring was, you know, was there, would they have opted for this, for a different option as opposed to that, you know? And that's the whole point with this, in this profession, is talking to the people and individualizing their care to help maintain the quality of life that they want so that they can live happy lives you know so that being said okay and the amount of time i have left i'm going to stop that topic right there i just want to review a couple of things one you know these viruses are still out there so please maintain good hygienic practices keep your hands clean if you're in you know social environments and you can you feel comfortable wear your masks okay um be sure to do that all right even though they've taking the warning the lowered the, the, the big red flag, so to speak, so it's not a major crisis anymore. This thing is far from over. I just heard today of a young lady passing away that was symptomatic, but her test kept coming up negative. And the virus, basically, she succumbed to the virus, a young lady. She succumbed to it. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, what? 
You know, it's like I could just hear them saying, oh, you're negative. You're fine. Probably just a cold. You're negative. Probably just allergies. You're negative. Meanwhile, she's just getting sicker and sicker. And eventually she, she ends up in the hospital and she dies. You know, sometimes, you know, these, you know, this Omicron, that's what, you know, it turned out it was. It's Omicron, you know, makes certain that the test that they're using can check for that as well or any other variants that seem to pop up, all right? Make sure that, you know, when you test negative, that you're testing negative for everything, not just the most common one, but make sure that you don't have that mutated other one as well, okay? And if you still feel sick and the symptoms are consistent, you know, listen, it'd be nothing to give you the treatment because sometimes, you know, there's always that 5% that don't fit the criteria, that don't fit the criteria, don't quite meet on the checklist. And they test negative and they don't have it. It's always that 5%, right? And sometimes you got to say, you know what, I wonder, you know, even from a provider standpoint, so you know what, I wonder if I should just treat them to see if they get better. All right. Or even just make sure that the test I'm using is testing for everything. You know, that's shameful. But, you know, but the thing is, once again, you know, and I hate to say this, but when they put it, they, they disclose all these wonderful side effects to the world on these medications they're posting on media. The media is just pushing these medications. And they're posting all these side effects, okay? When people do have problems or they don't get the outcome that they desire, they're taken off the medication. And, you know, I wonder, I mean, the answer's clear, if anything is done about that 5%. Because... If the, if the 5% are no longer taking your medication, then really there's no obligation for me to look further into it. Is I mean, think about that. If I'm not taking, you know, why did I have this problem? Uh, are we going to spend money to try to figure out why that small percentage of people didn't do well? But as long as the 95% of the people do well, hey, I'm free and clear. Either way, all right? With that said, I'm going to just say goodnight to everyone. You know, I enjoyed sharing, spending this time with you. God bless, and I will be back on the air again next week. Take care.